We're back at Daytona. You're looking inside turn three where Ken Schrader has climbed from his car and where rescue workers are helping Dale Earnhardt to get out of his car. Dale Earnhardt Jr. at a dead run toward the track's infield care center. Well, this is, this is huge because you go head on. And that TV does not do that justice. That is an incredible impact head on. Throws you forward in the car. Uh, those are the kind of accidents that absolutely are frightening. If I leave here tomorrow, would you All right, welcome to episode 140 of Tell Me Where to Turn. We are carrying on tonight with heavy hearts as we mourn the loss of Ryan Newman at Daytona. <laughs> but we are going to... He, he would have wanted us to do this show. Yes. I believe the quote uh, this morning on the radio was Dale Earnhardt said that uh, he was one of his favorite drivers. And to honor him, we're going to finish about 24th in the <laughs> local independent podcast market just to make it just to make it right but we're gonna um, be we're gonna be very hard to pass any chance this is just a big this is just a work and he was never injured in the first place or is this truly a miracle i'll tell you what I, i'm leaning towards miracle because they had the which i've never even seen in a car race they no. had the screen up like they have at lone star park I thought I've that seen it at I Lone Star that, Park. Yeah, oh, I've seen it at Lone Star Park, but I thought that meant they were bringing like a decapitated body out of the car. I did, never in my wildest dreams would have thought we'd be sitting here 48 hours later and he's just strolling out of the hospital wearing no shoes. I mean, I figured at the uh, at the very least he was just unresponsive in any way whatsoever. And they just didn't want to show that. They're just pulling his completely limp body out of the car. As uh, was Denny Hamlin, right? Yeah, he won. As yeah. Denny Hamlin's like doing donuts over his corpse, <laughs> celebrating. Boy, and, and listen, that became the popular thing to say on Twitter. I want to let you guys know I was an early adopter of that. As, as soon as I saw that accident... Before any inkling that anything was wrong, I, I leaned over to the woman who lives in my house with me currently and said, yeah, he really doesn't need to be celebrating this win right now. I think we've got trouble in turn four. So are you saying much like when uh, Tony Stewart killed that guy on the dirt track and then grabbed the flag and did a slow lap around waving to the crowd? It's kind of poor taste. <laughs> When he when he went ahead and put out the candy call afterwards. <laughs> so right now, who's the bigger murderer, Ken Schrader, Tony Stewart, Ryan Blaney? Rank them right now. Okay, so I guess uh, I don't know. This is more of a tandem. This is uh, we got to put Blaney and Corey LaJoy together on this because I feel like. Uh, Blaney served it up, but then <laughs> LaJoy came through and just spiked it over the net. But I feel like I feel like Blaney was Charles Manson in this situation, and LaJoy was just one of the unwitting women that was lured into the cult. I feel like the mastermind was Blaney. He said he was pushing him to victory, but <laughs> are we to believe that? That's what he would have wanted him to do. <laughs> I will say this. I don't know if you guys noticed uh, in your DraftKings lineups, attempted murder does not get you any points if you had Blaney on your team. <laughs> yeah, that's why I only play fa f FanDuel NASCAR because I want murder points. Wow. So Ryan Newman is alive, by the way, for those that are depending on us for your NASCAR and health updates. He left the hospital on his own, two I feet. I feel like this story had transcended the normal NASCAR bubble because I had a lot of people at work that wouldn't know the front from the back of a NASCAR come up and try to have Daytona 500 talk with me. So I feel like there's probably not a lot of people that were aware of the story at all that don't know that 
Yes. He did sock feet walk out of the hospital today, which why can't they get the poor guy some shoes? He's doing pretty well. Why does well, he have to walk his, out to the parking lot? He's lost his, his ride the last couple, two or three years. He's bouncing around. He's probably just uh, he's probably an independent contractor at this point. Okay, so Point Break Dave, right now, who did they name to fill his shoes in the number six car? I don't know, but please tell me it wasn't Danica. <laughs> no. Okay. Glenn, do we know? Uh, that would be one Ross Chastain. Ah, see, this is a man that knows his NASCAR right here. It who wasn't a... Oh, man, I'm blanking on his name. Something Hunter from Cowtown. Hunter Jones? Hunter, Hunter Jones. Jones. Yes. Now, man, unlike... what he's doing. Unlike Jeb Sessoms, who after his recent accident retired from racing, do we think Ryan Newman will retire from racing after this incident? Not a chance. He will... What is today? So we're... Oh, yeah, that's plenty of time. He will rise again before Easter. Is this the part of the episode where you bring the pulpit to the ring and execute a sermon? (laughs) Your Thursday night theology. So at what point point of sacrilege do we have to start to draw the line? Because I looked the other way on the Messiah thing, but now that he's holding sermons in the ring during Raw, is is that the point where we have to be like, okay, son, we're going to have to tap the fast-forward button a few times here? Maybe, but Seth Rollins much better as a heel, and this this has like serious potential <laughs> to build a group, an entire faction of disciples, and like some kind of cult, some kind of Monday Night Raw cult that I don't know who swoops in at WrestleMania to take it down. I don't know who that guy is, but. Let's that that guy's going way over it, in about it, a month and a half. Is that guy currently on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Probably hey, not. As I was Should going we, as I was going through my vacation schedule at work, I can't tell you how excited I am. Only a few Oh, we're we're like we are fifty two days away, yeah, something like that. We are in how about this? Full how about the Three people that are 52 days away that are also on this podcast introduce themselves. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, well, maybe. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Chastain. <laughs> no, I'm Tommy2 underscore zero. I've been here for all 140. You can find the show at Where to Turn Pod. And you can find my Ryan Newman tribute page at Glenn three underscore eleven. And you can find me at Point Break underscore Dave, uh, prevailing all my conspiracy theories that the Ryan Newman that walked out of the hospital is a new Ryan Newman. <laughs> now, so we, we could probably you guys go a lot see, of ways with that. Do you, you guys see all the Dale Earnhardt? saved Ryan Newman memes on the internet. <laughs> yes, and what it showed me is that Dale Earnhardt fans and Photoshop skills, those Venn diagrams don't have much overlap. <laughs> as somebody would find a picture of the Daytona Motor Speedway and then in the like, cheapest just Microsoft Paint cut out of Dale Earnhardt just kind of paste his head above the <laughs> speedway. And then pick the most difficult to read typeface and say Dale was looking over over the speedway today. Yeah, the best one was the the top half of the picture is Dale Dale Senior in his glasses looking down, and the cheap font just says "Not on my watch, kid." And then on the lower half of it, it's Ryan Newman looking up at him. Just absolute genius. So surely you could invert that photo pretty easily where he's looking up. yeah if we're going to be accurate that's probably what we what we'd need to do i don't remember dale bringing out a pulpit to the middle of the track to hold a sermon during the race as far as i remember i was uh i was 
alerted late. I know this is going to disappoint both of you, but I was not tuned in to Daytona. I just got the text from Tommy of, I think we just saw the last of Ryan Newman. So I flipped over and I kind of saw the aftermath and I was shocked because I didn't know Ken Schrader was driving again. Well, he doesn't kill everybody he races against. Just once every 20 years. Yeah. The itch to murder someone comes back. I was watching live. Glenn, you were live? Uh, yeah, by then I was. I had to play a little catch-up, but fortunately the last like 15 laps of the race took an hour yes. to run. So I was caught up by then. I was watching live in my car driving home from work uh, on my iPad that was strategically placed on the passenger seat and then had plenty of time to get home, change clothes, and still enjoy the multiple green-white checker attempts. And when it occurred, it's certainly not the first time you've seen someone, you know, get pushed into the wall and end up upside down. So when it first happened, I was like, well, one, I just wanted anybody but Denny Hamlin to win. So that was disappointing. That was my first thought. <laughs> and then... He's upside down, but I'm like, wow, we've seen this a million times. Not a million, but we've seen this a lot before they get out in about five seconds. Uh, there's some, you see some movement in there. The guys come over and they, you know, they're not waving with urgency to get them out of there. And, you know, everything's fine. That didn't really occur. And then the first time they showed the replay, I was right there with you. I was like, I think he's gone. Yeah. When I think I... this is it. Like, I don't even think there's saving like i think he's already gone yeah. in that car right now that's well, the did reaction you guys, I had. when they brought out the screen i mean were you guys a little concerned that even if he wasn't gone if he'd like broke his ankle they're just gonna pull him out of the car and shoot him in the head <laughs> the head safety guy was cocking the pistol full lone star park i was I was worried that if he was in the car bleeding out and they were taking time to set up the screen that that probably wasn't the best use of time and resources. <laughs> no, my, my trigger point was, was well, one is after seeing the f replay of the hit and then also no noting how the safety crew was almost standing around unsure what to do made me think you don't usually see that type of response until something so far off of what they're expecting has happened that they don't really know what to do. And that's what I was worried about, that it was some kind of just, you know, horror scene in there where... Yeah. Uh, they, they pulled they down did, the window net. Yeah. And the helmet's just on the passenger floorboard with a head <laughs> in it. As bad as it is to say, I was worried something like that. And then the, the screen only, only solidified that. But more importantly, I was watching the race... Without the benefit of direct TV, because I, gentlemen, am a cord cutter. What are we going with? Yes. YouTube TV? We are did now you, a P1 of YouTube TV. Did you okay. save the cord? I in allowed, case UT, YouTube TV gets sick later and you can, you know, you always save the cord in case you need the cells. Yeah, aren't you supposed to eat the cord? I allowed Make someone nice else stew? to cut the cord because that's their job. I was not there to cut the cord. Someone else can cut that cord. <laughs> so I'm very intrigued by this because I am a DirecTV subscriber. I'm fully aware that I'm overpaying for what I actually use. And I'm, I want the rundown. So Pretend yourself, <laughs> Seth Rollins, and convert me yes. to YouTube TV. Allow me to form my posse. I've been a DirecTV customer since 2011. That's a very long time. I don't know how you could figure out exactly how long, but it's a long time. Wow, so you were doing pretty good from the jump, huh? <laughs> Just upper middle class from 2011 on? Things have been going pretty well for a sustained amount of time. There's, there's really no way to sugarcoat it. Every year or two, I would call DirecTV and do the sh song and dance that you were going to leave and get some kind of 12-month discount put on my account. So I was never paying more than 100 a month. I was paying between 80 and 100 a month and had a lot of channels and, and several DVRs. So it felt, felt like I was getting a fair price. 
I looked at YouTube TV when it first came out, and the sports offerings weren't even close to what I needed um, to sustain my gambling lifestyle. My DVR crapped out upstairs a couple days ago, and I called DirecTV because I've had that DVR since 2011. <laughs> oh, wow. So I figure probably in line for a nice equipment upgrade, which they confirmed, and they said absolutely. But then they also let me know that there would be an advanced DVR charge that would get added to my account because when I got my original DVR, it was some kind of free DVR promotion. That would be, I think, 7 or $8 a month. And then they also let me know that in order for them to send me an updated DVR, I would need to engage in a two-year contract. And they also let me know that my $65 a month discount that I had on my account was going to expire next month. So I could expect to see my bill go up to be about $130 a month. And I said, oh, well, that's all well and good. What are you, you going to be able to do for me? And the lady said, well, let me look. And she said, I think we could give you a $15 off a month if you sign a two-year contract. And that's when I lost it, guys. I became unhinged. Is that when you said, that doesn't work for me, brother? And within, <laughs> within five minutes of that phone call ending, I had a YouTube TV account set up, and I was streaming TV 70 channels in crystal clear HD, unlimited DVR, and my favorite part, it works on every device immediately. So I could be watching Street Outlaws on the TV, I push pause, I put it, pull it up on my phone, I'm playing right from that spot, watch Daytona 500 at work, everything about it um, has just been amazing. And now they have the full sports channel, every sports channel covered, so there's really not any gaps. Do they have all, because one thing I have enjoyed about DirecTV is they have all the other Fox Sports, like Fox Sports Arizona and Fox Sports Midwest, which makes it easy to watch uh, sweat NBA games. I, unfortunately, I also enjoyed that. That option is not available. You have your local Fox Sports affiliate. You do not have all the alternate out-of-market Fox Sportses. And if your kids are into certain shows that doesn't have Nickelodeon, which is not a huge problem for us, but I know for some could be an issue. Yeah. But I'm now paying $49 a month. Really? No T or no equipment at all to install. It works on every TV and device automatically. I mean, you just have to have an internet connection. That's all it takes. Hmm. What about, you said you had local channels too? Oh yeah. It has all the locals. All the ESPNs, MLB Network, Golf Channel, so all, the Fox, does, all the Fox Sport, you know, Fox Sports One, NBC Sports, every everything you would everything you would want anywhere a game would be, and or and it has obviously has USA and all the the major cable networks where you Discovery, Food Network, all those channels. So I have in our living room we have our newest TV, which is a full. Samsung smart TV with all the apps in the other rooms. We are utilizing Roku devices. Do you have that? Does it play well through them or is it pretty much a smart TV thing? So I have it smart TVs in two rooms and then I bought a fire stick for my older TV. My older two TVs uh, works completely fine. Works fine with Roku and then, Obviously, any you know iOS device, it works fine. So there's the worst situation you would be in is if you had an unsmart TV would be to have to buy a Roku or a Fire Stick. But I mean that's a one time investment for thirty or forty dollars, and you're cooking after that. I may join you. I may be the Buddy Murphy of your new cut the cord faction. There's plenty of room up here at the podium. <laughs> I uh, I've I could I I've been ex- exceedingly happy with it, and also Directv. You don't realize how antiquated their user interfaces are and their software is till you use something like that. So I could actually pull up YouTube TV on my phone and within five seconds, you know, find the show I want to watch, add it to my DVR, add it to my playlist, and then it's instantly available on the TV that I'm watching. It just it just makes it makes your ability to navigate the system so much easier. Where you know before in Directv you're hunting through the pick list of letters to type in, you know, lesbian whatever. You're I'm sorry, 
Um, pick a different example. Street Outlaws. Ross Chastain Weekly. Yes. But yeah, I've, so I'm a, I'm a couple weeks into my cord cutting adventure and um, could, not, could not be a, a, a higher endorser. And, and I was a late adopter. I was very skeptical of people that had done this. I've been a DirecTV P1 for a long time. So you have YouTube TV, YouTube TV yes. which you said was 50 bucks a month. Yes. Netflix, Amazon. Well, yeah, your Amazon, but... Uh, I'm well aware of everything <laughs> you're squatting that I own. Yes, I have Netflix, Hulu, your HBO Go, your Amazon, and then, uh, yeah, and then oh, obviously MLB.TV, but, I mean, who doesn't have that? His, you've just, got his his workout plan subscription. Say, yeah. oh, I want to get. We're getting it's, to that later in the show. By the oh, way, okay. <laughs> I'm just preparing myself. I've been preparing for the last five years for Bernie winning by just giving my stuff to the less less deserving in Tommy. If you're angling for me to give you my YouTube TV login, they do have a uh, geolocation service on there. You know what's funny is I was actually aware of that because. Uh, before I moved to Austin, when I was coming down here and staying in the, the company house, the I let it be known, despite the fact that they were had a nice three-bedroom house for me to stay in, that I was not pleased with their cable package, mainly, because, mainly it, because it didn't have USA, and I would get in on Monday night and want to watch Monday Night Raw. And a co-worker was like, hey, no problem. Here's my YouTube TV login. And I tried to log in, and they're like, yeah, this is a different location. This is not going to work. Yes, oh, no. they, they have figured out in 2020 how to, how to uh, beat geolocating. But, Indeed. But yeah, um, if you, uh, you want to get with me on the side, I'd be happy to give you my uh, Spotify login or something to make up for it. Seems... Not quite fair, but all right. <laughs> so I've been with Dish Network for an extended period of time. A valued customer. Yeah, but I, th I think my contract runs through next spring because they gave me they upgraded like all of my equipment last year for free, just because I'd been with them for so long. But uh, a novel concept yeah. that Directv could learn a thing from. Right, but since then I have lost. Fox Sports Southwest. Ooh. So watching a Mavericks game happens on my phone because I have somebody else's password uh, to the Fox Sports Go app. And uh, Ranger season's coming up. No forget, Ranger games. We got a lot of Corey Ranger starts. season. You're missing out on a lot of Luca right now. No, I'm, I'm watching it when I can. I'm just watching it on a phone instead of on like what normal people watch it on. For for a guy uh, with the net worth of you, the fact that you are have to endure Mavericks games on your phone, it's pretty bad. It's a tough thing. But even if I went that route, I think I would have to because I mean my TV is a smart TV, but I mean we're talking. It's not the most current technology. I feel like I'd have to get something to accompany it to be able to run this efficiently. Honestly, I was, it's funny, wasn't planning on this being a <clears throat> podcast topic, but my wife and I were talking about probably buying a couple more of the Fire Sticks just because they're so much easier to navigate than the smart TV menus with the Amazon remote. It, it's almost worth it, even if your TV does allow it, if, if it's, especially if it's a little bit older. Because the the interface is so much easier on the Fire Stick, and the remote is amazing. Okay, I'm probably like I said, I'm probably a year out from really considering this, but it's a possibility. And we know how quickly things move at your house. How's the fence looking? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. So let's just to level set when Glenn's fence originally blew down the xfl wasn't a league the rangers played in globe life field and ryan newman was alive <laughs> these are all factual statements all that has changed and you still don't have a fence 
Um, we haven't rebuilt yet. Speaking of things we're getting for free, how is how's the Athlean community doing over there? I'm enjoying it. I'm in I'm in month uh, three, and let me tell you, month three gets into some even more different workout style. Interesting. Yeah. I'm finding month one to be quite barbaric myself. Are you enjoying it, though? I, yes and no. I, I'm enjoying it because I uh, I feel like it. I'm making good progress. But, I mean, when I leave after that's over, I'm waylaid for at least an hour afterwards. So do you guys want to reset what you're talking about? Yeah. So while we were in Houston for the Royal Rumble... Dave took Glenn to work out, and when we were enjoying a nice meal after the workout, Glenn was commenting about how difficult it was, to which then Dave quickly shared the link to the site showing the workout, which I'm assuming was not free. No, I paid about 100 bucks for this workout. And I paid zero bucks for it. <laughs> So we started looking at it, and I thought, well, hey, I might give this a shot. It was a little novel based on what I was normally doing. It's definitely intended to cause you to expend every last drop of energy you have left in your body before you complete the workout. And I've been enjoying it for a couple weeks. I'll tell you something else, too. Boy, I find myself on the toilet within about an hour of finishing one of those, too. And that's without a shake, a pre-workout shake. Man, I think it just puts your body into such shock. Dude, you know what I did yesterday, which I haven't, I don't know if I've ever experienced this, but it may be the worst, the worst of the workout or post-workout bathroom trip. I was, it was an off day for the weightlifting workout. So I was going to go to the, the gym and run, do a little cardio, right? So I was running uh, intervals on the treadmill, just sweating, just beaten, and right in the middle of it oh, had no. the um, had the Mojo Raleigh. Oh, oh no. no! Oh man! So you know, jump off the treadmill like in the middle of my workout, and then go, and you're in like a confined space, just pouring sweat, and it's it's just the worst experience. I feel like this has been happening to you specifically too much recently. Do we need to evaluate be, your diet? There may be something wrong. There may be. Well, Glenn can get you in touch with the Colitis Support Group. <laughs> yeah, he's the chairman. You need to of. be around, you know, some people that understand what you're going through. I haven't been uh, ratcheting up those workouts because I think Glenn may have hurt his shoulder. Uh oh. Oh no! So, was this during the? Uh, was it you get to run two plays from scrimmage for the Dallas Renegades, or what was the deal for mine season tickets? Yeah, with my field pass, I get to I get to line up in the slot receiver and <laughs> crack back block one <laughs> on one play. Stoops is just calling the hit Glenn deep play. <laughs> No, I I think it's I don't think it's serious, but it it wasn't even uh, you know, and I want to have like a cool story, like yeah, I was going for a real PR one morning or something like that. I was quite literally first literally the podcast, um, just lifting like a curl bar off the rack, and I think the way I was positioned, it was I I kind of turned and twisted a little bit, and I think I just put too much torque. <laughs> on my left arm and my left shoulder and like I could feel it. It didn't really feel like a rip. It felt more like something just pulled, but I mean, I could feel it through my whole shoulder, like the whole deltoid, I guess is where it would be. And, uh, and then I was like, Oh crap, this is about to hurt like really bad. And it honestly, then it didn't. And I was like, okay, well I guess I'm all right. So I just kept working out. Um, but that's been about a week and a half ago and it's gotten, I would say not better since then. <laughs> it was probably the best way to put it. Oh, goodness. Getting old is is tough. Yeah. I, w I would say so. I What I probably need to do is just um, 
because I'm already in physical therapy once just every other week. Just switch it so over I to me- the shoulder? Just well, I buy a combo it, pack? Yeah, I mentioned it to her like, uh, hey, I kind of tweaked my shoulder. You got, And she gave me some recommendations of things that I could do. I'm sure one of those recommendations probably would have been, hey, maybe don't lift weights for a couple of weeks. That's the one I've kind of just kind of X'd out. Like, ah, we don't need that. That's we'll all right. Be, we'll be fine. You're, you're amongst friends here. Dave runs with inflammatory bowel disease. <laughs> He's not, nobody's missing a workout on this podcast. Let's be no. honest. Not yet. Not until the pain ratchets up a little bit. And then, because I think I've done something similar <clears throat> like this before. And it was actually worse. It was bad enough that uh, there was like certain stuff I couldn't do for like months. Or it you just, just could use the other hand. Yeah, right. It was just too. Sometimes it was it's just nice. too painful. It's just different. It's nice. Well, yeah, but I mean, it was painful the whole way through, not just at the end, <laughs> where it's painful. Yeah, there's a lot of shame. That's not normal. I mean, it's more <laughs> emotional pain. I understand. I've got my so knee you, wrapped in an ace bandage right now. Is that right? I I did same thing. I was leaving a meeting at work today, and I stood up from the table and just it really hurt, and it still it was still hurting when I got home. So I just threw the bandage on. I don't. I have no no other explanation. Guys, I stood up are, from a table. We are on the road to WrestleMania. I need I need this to stop. <laughs> One of us in a wheelchair, and I'm gonna, my arm's gonna be like. Tied to the side of my body or in a sling or something. But who would have thought the way this week started that you and I would both be in worse shape than Ryan Newman by Wednesday? (laughs) How is that possible? Hey, I will say this and I'm going to go ahead and hold a good thought here. But being that we were all at the Rumble, all elated with the Drew McIntyre win, all excited that we're going to see it. At WrestleMania, every time since I've seen him on Raw, I'm just sitting there like, just don't like tear an ACL in this match. <laughs> like, oh yeah, just don't. <laughs> yeah, hold off till April, please. <laughs> just yeah, don't let. I uh, completely have had the same thought. Just let's protect everybody we need protecting. Get him to the show. Speaking of the show, you went to a show at the ballpark, didn't you? Somebody mentioned XFL earlier. Well, it yeah, was because you're wearing the official shirt. <laughs> you're a season ticket holder, sir. That is that is correct. And uh, since we last recorded, we are we've gone through two whole weeks of XFL football. Now, have either of you watched any XFL action? I have. Yes, okay. I have as well. I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and I will say. Talking to a few uh, co-workers, friends that are not WWE Vince McMahon fans and all who were very skeptical on the XFL going in, pretty good reviews coming from them. Yeah. They're enjoying and it. I think the the viewership was in the range of um, just under $3 million, and I think they peaked one of the games. I think the first Renegades game had the highest viewership at like three and a half million. And then in week two dipped a little bit, but they were still in that two to three million range through all four games that were shown, I believe. So it didn't drop off dramatically like the league last year that had like two or three million the first week. And then week two, there was about 400,000 people watching. So well, they're doing a good um, job with the broadcast and yeah. the, the, the things they're doing that are causing people to talk about it on social media. I mean, the ticket did a whole segment on the, uh, the new hardline today about how they have to interview the quarterback immediately after he throws an interception before he's even allowed to talk to the coach and just some of the different, I think that will be enough to keep the viewership more engaged than last time because they're, they're just adding enough elements that people know others will be talking about that they want to experience it. I think we've also gotten in two weeks we've gotten an F bomb and an S bomb through those uh through those interviews. Indeed. I love that's fun. I love having the 
referee and replay mic'd up when they're looking at the replay on a review. That's that's cool. I like that. Yeah, where they're talking back and forth and the reviewer is like clarifying everything for them and the referee's like, okay, just so I understand. Yeah. Here's what we're doing. And yeah. And then I, he's like, oh, and by the way, how much time should I be putting back on the clock? <laughs> oh, give me a second. Hold on. What's, so, the, what's the spread? <laughs> yeah. Which down is it? Well, okay. You mentioned that. They're putting the point spread up when the game starts and the over under. And then this in week two, I don't think they did this in week one, but in week two, because I know they did it at the halftime of the Renegades game, they're giving the updated Vegas line. You know, the spread and the over-under that you can bet on at halftime. Yeah, the live betting market's important. And they're affiliated with DraftKings. Like, I still, everything that I've read indicates that apparently Vince has put aside three years' worth of money that he's willing to just lose, just fund this thing for three years. And if he loses all of it, he loses all of it. So I still think... We talked months ago that two to three years is the life expectancy for this thing. There hasn't been enough yet for me to be like, oh no, this thing is like long term. But I can't imagine now that it doesn't go at least at least the three years that they're talking about. If they can keep the TV partners engaged with it, they'll be fine. I mean, that's that's what will kill it. I mean, even if Vince has the money, if 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 they have to go to streaming it, you know, only on YouTube or something, that's going to be. That's going to be the death nail. But as long as as long as the broadcast are getting to do fun and innovative things, and it's cool too because all the different networks get to experiment in a little bit different ways on how they broadcast the game. I think that freedom it, it'll only make the NFL product better too because they're going to be able to do things they've always wanted to try, and you know things that maybe really catch on find their way into the mainstream. They keep those folks yeah. engaged. It's it's rosy. Uh, Rosy outlook for the old XFL. Yeah, I was going to say, like, the game presentation, really enjoy all the things we've talked about. I think the only thing that's kind of hurting them right now, and this may get better, you know, in year two, year three, and beyond, is just not having kind of the, the names of the NFL. Like, you know... If it's, you know, not a cowboy game, but you flip on the TV and you're like, oh, it's, you know, Mahomes, I'll sit down and watch this game, you know. But if you turn on an XFL game and you're like, I don't know either of these teams or any of the players, like, that's kind of hurting. You're not going to sit down and watch Matt McGloin? No, (laughs) I I think it has for it to succeed. And this is why, you know, eventually if it's successful enough, maybe they expand slightly. Maybe they go from 8 to 10 or 8 to 12 teams, but I think the brand, you know, each team is the draw. Like, you're in Dallas, let's say, and you're just a Renegades fan. It could be anybody's name on the back of the jersey. You're not even, you might know the players, but you're not dependent on them having to be huge D1 stars or they used to play in the NFL. It's just you root for the Renegades. Yeah, I think that's what they need to to make sure like what the focus is, but they've got to improve in the long term the quality of play on the field. But the main thing is they need more quarterbacks. I mean, they've got uh, the three best teams clearly so far are Houston, DC, and St. Louis. And they also have the three best quarterbacks. And that's not a coincidence. So you don't think this- you don't put Landry jo- Landry Jones in the top three? Well, I mean, he played in his first game in like two years the other day. I don't know if you saw that, but he looked somewhere. I mean, the first three quarters, he looked somewhere in between horrible and terrible. And he can't run. And right now, like going into the season, I, you know, I really thought that they were, if not the best team, they were probably like the second best team. They're like at best fourth through watching two weeks and being at a game. So that's that's what I want to get into. I want to know what being at the game was like, and especially the game presentation in the former Globe Life Field. What are they calling it now? It's just Globe Life Park. But isn't the new park Globe Life Park? No, that's Globe Life Field. Oh, so it makes perfect sense then. Everything's fine. Yeah, one's a park. And one's a field. Yeah. 
One's a park because it's outside. There's no roof. And the other one's a field because they play on a field. Makes perfect sense. In a game. Play in a game on a field. Um, I can tell you that their next game is on March the 1st, and I cannot wait to go to another one. Um, It is kind of weird being in the ballpark, but they're playing football in there. I mean, you can't get over that as not being at least a little bit strange. Mm -hmm. But the the setup i mean the 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 field and the turf itself just looks immaculate like it's so awesome t- top golf didn't come in and f up the football field is that what you're saying no there are no random uh, circles crop circles on the field anywhere of course it helps when when your seats are you know 40 yard line about the 12th row that kind of helps with uh, the experience the money that just drips off of you is disgusting to me <laughs> But the first, the first game, I think, for the area they're selling tickets for, they're maxing out at like twenty thousand. That's like that's capacity right now, and there was about seventeen thousand and change that were there at the first game, and it, it was not, not the most entertaining game by any means. Um, a lot of field goals, Renegades didn't score a touchdown. That usually helps if uh, the home team scores a little bit. <laughs> But I, the crowd was into it from beginning to the end, and like they were just waiting. It, it was like if we had gone to the Rumble and just been waiting the whole time for Lesnar to be eliminated, and it never happened. But we had this constant anticipation of something big is about to happen, and we're all going to lose it. That was what it was like for three hours. So in the end, it was kind of disappointing. But, I mean, people weren't leaving early, and they were emotionally invested. And... The lines for like they had two small merchandise, not tents, but like areas, and then the pro shop that's usually for the Rangers was all Renegade stuff. The lines to get to those were like at least thirty to forty-five minutes the oh whole gosh. time. So it's like it uh, is like being at the Rumble. A, a little, a Did little they bit. run out of food? They didn't run out of food, but you couldn't get food because there was only like three concession stands open because they greatly underestimated, I think, the number of people that were going to show up. They didn't I guess. think anybody was going to show up for this thing. I mean, I my guess is that it was just more than what they thought. Maybe they thought in the range of like 10 to 12 and then 17,000 people showed up. That's pretty cool. But they're, I mean, people are into it. Um they had, uh, I don't know if you saw the game, but when the players came out on the field, they had like a bunch of guys in motorcycles lead them out onto the field. I don't know if they were from the Twin Peaks shooting or not. <laughs> I like to think that they were. If there was a bunch of people on motorcycles, I can almost guarantee you that one of them was in Waco that day. But I, I, uh, I admit, I'm all in. We got a big game this week against Seattle. Up in the Pacific Northwest, yeah, always a very tough place go, to play. Go in against the twelfth man. That's going to be tough. The original twelfth man of the the Dragons, and uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, I think that's, I think that's Saturday at four o'clock, I believe. So be by the channel. I think in the in the XFL, uh, the CL team actually gets to play with twelve people <laughs> on the field. <laughs> I think that was one of the rules. I will say this though, getting back to your earlier comment about going into the season thinking the you know Renegades were best or second best team. They were they were up there. I also thought the same way, and that's why I took the season win total bet. I went over six games. So oh. mind you, it's a ten game season. Yeah. So you're betting they win seven. And then they go out there and lose their first game. <laughs> yeah, but we're one and one now. It'll it'll be fine. This is a big. This is a swing game for the whole season. I mean, you hate yeah. to say game uh, week three is uh, this important, but this is a big game. Yeah, right here. The season because is basically on the line in Seattle this weekend. You win. You win in Seattle. You're two and one. You come home. You're pay, you're going to face what's an undefeated three and zero Houston team. But then you got a week four game. Winner takes the lead in the division. It's huge. Huge. So, so far, you've got... I, I've, I haven't watched every second of every game, but I've seen at least bits and pieces of every game played so far. Um, 
Tampa is definitely the worst team. And I, I think their win total, I'm sitting at about 1.5 for the season. Um, Houston, the, the last game on Sunday was Houston-St. Louis. It's the closest thing I've seen that actually resembles, like, I don't want to say an NFL game, but it looked better than what you would normally expect in the XFL. But Houston, D.C., and St. Louis, definitely the three better teams. I think Dallas and Seattle are kind of right behind that. And then, who am I forgetting? L.A. and New York, and then Tampa. They're the three worst. Was there anything else XFL-related you wanted to cover before we move on to our next topic? No, just everybody. I mean, I know we've got a large faction of disciples listening. Watch and support the Renegades yeah. or just the XFL in general. No, but the if you want to pick another team, you. if you want to be a guardian, no, go be no, a guardian. No, no, no. The Renegades need your support. We got to get together. We got to sell this thing out. We've got to get the Renegades into the title game this year. We got to do it. And the title game is in Houston. At least, I don't think it's formally being, been announced, but I think they're going to have the championship game in Houston, like no matter who makes it. Interesting. I, I, I'm, I'm looking at it, but I'm going to try to be there. So as a se- season ticket holder, when the Renegades win the championship, the WrestleMania Bowl, do you get to be on the float for the parade or... <laughs> Well, if he can get his truck repaired, he could tow the float, I'm sure. Is there driving down Cooper Street in Arlington? <laughs> it's just it's just the trek from they're like on Midway Road from Beltline to six six thirty five. All right. I want to tell you guys about something that happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I've been waiting to tell you this. <clears throat> especially to get Glenn's reaction. Something that happened to me at work that was um if you would have if you would have got a focus group together to plan out something that would I would hate worse, you couldn't have come up with something as bad as what I had to endure a couple of night a couple of weeks ago for a night. Okay, All right. you have you have teased this. Yeah, okay. I think I told I think I told on this podcast that I'm I'm part of a leadership training program right now. It's because they've identified me as someone with tremendous potential to move up in the organization and they've invested in me up. You're like two steps from (laughs) being able to just burn the hospital down. I'm basically, I'm basically a heartbeat away from being able to push the red button. You're right. (laughs) The, uh, the program, they have a, they have a lot of homework that you have to do in between, but they have a session every few months and they usually will rent out a hotel. And I think I teased that we were at the Cambria hotel, which there's a lot of um, a lot of good symmetry there, but one night they put on an event for us that was couched as a team building event. Okay, all right. If you had a planned a team building event to make me more uncomfortable and upset, you they they hit on all the all the parts. Well, the first thing they did is they didn't tell us what it was, which already puts my anxiety level high. <laughs> is they said. We promise it's going to be fun. No physical activity is required, but we do recommend comfortable clothes. That's all they told us. By the way, I want my team building activities to definitely require physical (laughs) activity. The, like, corporate-y event planner, party planner, anytime they say, we can't tell you, but we promise you it'll be fun, that's like the red flag of where you start feigning colitis and get out of there. Yeah, because they know if they told you beforehand, people would be making alternate plans immediately. This is one of those things, too, where there's about, I think there's between 60 or 70 total people in this this cohort, as it's known. It's There's enough people there you could certainly fade into the background, but they also have pretty strict attendance taking. So even at these team building events, they would know if you completely skipped out on it. So all we're told is 
be in front of the Cambria Hotel at six o'clock, the buses will be there to take you to your event. So in I the event fruit related. <laughs> well, we know that's not the case because they have no fruit at the Cambria Hotel. Just so, so I, I guess that's true. You would have now. to get on the bus to go somewhere that had fruit. That, that does make <laughs> sense. That, that passes the sniff I, test. I told you guys this, guys this offline, but to share my Cambria Hotel Dallas story about how a few weeks ago we had some people with my company travel in, and one is like a pretty high up executive, and uh, we went out to lunch, and he was talking about his his harrowing trip in to, to Dallas, his flight was delayed and you know, whatever. And he's like, yeah, you know, you get to the airport and then you get in a car and they take me to the hotel and the hotel just doesn't have a room. <laughs> but I could get in there and I'm like, I made a reservation and, uh, I get up there and they're like, Oh, sorry, we don't have your reservation where we sold all the rooms. And somebody goes, well, where are you staying? He was like, Oh, is that the Cambria? And I, had to pull the turn like almost completely around at the at the table at lunch because I could not believe what I was hearing. The Cambria Hotel in Dallas ran out of rooms. <laughs> Along with ginger beer and fruit and running water and all the other things we know they run out of. A real quick sidebar. I really want to hear Tommy's story, but... I know we complained about the Cambria, and justly so, because it was a trash experience. Let me tell you about what a good hotel does to show maybe Cambria can learn something. found myself down in San Antonio this past weekend, staying at the nice Weston on the uh, Riverwalk, there with our kiddos, and, you know, whatever, it's evening, We're getting ready for bed. One of them's in there brushing their teeth, knocks the the little glasses that they have in the uh, bathroom, shatters it on the bathroom floor. So call, uh, you can't really do anything on your own, right? We don't have anything to, we don't have brooms with us. (laughs) Call the, uh, call housekeeping up there immediately do a phenomenal job of sweeping it all up. And then I'm told, hold on one second. I'll be right back. Comes back a few seconds later, four pairs of slippers for us to wear just to make sure when we go into the bathroom, if there are any shards of glass, that's a classy hotel. I agree. So I, yeah, I thought this story was going to end with, he came back and was like, Oh, I I was going to give you some slippers, but we were, we were out. (laughs) No, He was wearing wearing all four pairs of slippers (laughs) to clean it up and then was like, oh, yeah, you don't need these. You'll be fine. (laughs) There's no water anyway, so you don't need to be in there. (laughs) Yeah, what do you need a cup for? There's no water. I'm getting on the bus, and there's a lady standing there with a large box. (laughs) (laughs) Product placement. (laughs) Everybody that gets on the bus, she's asking their name, and then she's handing them an envelope with their name on it. I open the envelope with my name on it, and inside the envelope is an orange bandana. Mm. And we are told, hey, go ahead and put on the bandana because you're going to need to find the other people with the same color bandana because they're now going to be your teammates for the rest of the night. All right, so... So I'm on the bus. Hold on. Wait, okay. we need to go through this. Dave's question first, and then I have a question about bandana. I, I have a question about bandana, and they may be the same. So what do we go with? Do we go not in the front, like a Tupac, or did we go tied around your bicep? What do we <laughs> What do we go with here? So basically, you have three options. You have the Tupac, you have the Macho King, or you have the Apollo Anton Ono. And I went with the Apollo Ono, which is the half-folded right across the forehead where it's kind of lifting the hair up a little bit. You could go All with right. the, ba- the bandit look and cover half your face. Yeah, Ooh, you could go with true. the bandit. You, yeah, you could, uh, you could do that. Um, one that guy did go with the Tupac, and he, there's something else unique about this guy and these 70 people that's there. He's probably the only one 
that didn't need to read the playbook before. <laughs> yeah, he went with it. Well, if if someone was going to go with it, he would be the one that should. Yeah, good guy. I told him much respect from me for that. We get to the venue. Well, first of all, we ride in the bus. They don't tell us where we're going. We get to the venue. We walk in, and it's a recording studio oh, on what's known no. as Music Row, which is a somewhat touristy part of Nashville. But there are a, you know, Music Row actually does have functional working recording studios. So we're in the recording studio, and they've got a large common area, and they've got tables set up, and they've got an open bar, and they've got a, a very interesting buffet set up. You get a plate. You're greeted with a uh, tray of fettuccine Alfredo. The next tray has beef enchiladas. <laughs> so for dinner, I had a scoop of fettuccine Alfredo and a beef enchilada. Endless enchiladas. <laughs> so we sit down at the table, and then we're told the plan for the rest of the evening. They've now introduced us to six Nashville singer-songwriters, recording artists, who have posted their resumes on the table that you're seated at, listing various country songs that they've had credits for either authoring or co-authoring, and then we're informed that we are going to collaborate with our assigned country artist to write a song, original song, about our company, which we are then oh. going to go on a stage and perform for everyone else in attendance that night. Oh. So, a couple of quick questions. One, any chance one of the six recording artists was your buddy from the plane to Royal Rumble? <laughs> And we were just going to basically rewrite the Undisputed Era theme. Yeah. And I was going to be the guy that says shock the system at the beginning. It was not. Okay. But before we get started with the songwriting, each one of these guys is going to perform for us in an intimate setting the hit that they're the most famous for writing. Okay. So that happens. And then it's time to break up into small groups and the uh, instructions are hey, start telling us some words that really relate to your company. Now, I want to throw this out here, and I think I understand the scene here. I feel like you're in a tough spot because the go-to play in such a situation is just completely check out, lay out, do the least you can. But this is a group of 70 people that are all tagged as potential, you know, move up the corporate ladder people. So part of you wants to get yourself over, as they say. But then the other part of you wants no, no part of any of this. Right. And the other complicating factor for me is that I can't sing and I have no discernible musical talent. So there's not going to be a lot I'm able to contribute to this. So when you say you can't sing, do you feel like you just don't sing well or you don't even have like a voice that you can identify to sing in? I, I don't have any idea how to carry a tune or okay. to sing in any type of pitch. I, I don't possess that skill. Yeah, because I'm the same way. Yeah, I, I, like, can't, I cannot sing. That the is, idea of karaoke is frightening to me because i don't even know what i would do yes. it's not just like hey i would sing it to be really flat or it was you know whatever it's like i don't even know what it would sound it'd be like walking for the first time yeah that's <laughs> that's the situation i'm in i couldn't even tell you what my singing voice sounded like uh and not to mention the fact that um there's a lot of people here and i'm i'm not uncomfortable in every way in this situation the songwriting process is pretty uneventful. They pick out keywords and rhyme them with other, other similar words. My guess is that these guys do this all the time, and they pretty much write the same song every night and change a few words out. I don't think there's, there's much originality happening here. The writer that we had was obsessed with adding in mild swear words to the song. He said, you can't write a country song without hell and damn. So it has to be a country song. Well, this of was course. a country music event, so yes. Okay. And we were wearing bandanas. It, well, of, of course, everybody wears a Tupac bandana at a country show. That's right. 
That's right. <laughs> and they also they also um, felt like it was nece- necessary to include everyone, even those who maybe didn't want to participate. So they included some choreography that was going to be performed while the song was being sung. As if, okay. as if this wasn't painful enough for me. So in your group, how many people are in your group? There was approximately 10 or 11 people in my group. Were there any, you know, oh, I did theater in high school, I'm going to run the show people? That was the interesting part of it. So there's, again, approximately 70 people there. There was probably between six and eight people there that this was the greatest night of their life. Mm. And they were so over the top into it that it took a lot of the heat off everyone else. Well, that's good. I had two such people in my group. Both women. Yes. Both from Texas, oddly enough. And both report directly to you? No, uh, nobody in this event reports to me. This is people from all over our company, which is an international company. There was people from our UK office there. These are a very eclectic group of people that are in all different job functions. If you had to describe these women that were very into it on the scale of Nia Jax to Joanna Gaines, which side of the scale do they fall on? Let's put it this way. If there was an elimination chamber happening, um, Nia would have about four tag team partners to... Stomp Joanna right out. Oh, no. Oh, the no. Uh, Dave basically called it. There's, there's, no, there's no heroic end to this story. I, I did the bare minimum, slipped out as early as possible. And the next day, I, I had communicated with a few coworkers about just how awkward the situation was. And, of course, the question is, well, was it videoed? And the answer is, yes, it was. And they Uh-oh. said, well, we have to get a copy of this. And I'm a good sport. And I said, you know what? I will, I will get you guys a copy of the video. So I reached out to the uh, leader of the program. And I said, hey, you know, I know you guys were shooting video last night. Whenever it's you know, available, I'd love to get a you know, link to it. want to show my team back at the office. And she said, oh, um, actually about that, several of the leaders reached out to me after the event last night. And we won't be releasing the video there was concerns about the level of intoxication of oh, many. Oh, no. So I was kind of laughing at that news. Well, then I got to the table I was assigned for that day, and I made a comment to the other ladies, not anybody I'd interacted with the night before, and I said, well, you're not going to believe this. They're not going to release the video because apparently some people uh, couldn't handle it last night. Well, I probably picked the wrong table to make that joke at, the lady next to me, I then noticed that she had been sitting at the table head in hands. And she said, I blacked out last <gasps> night. I don't remember leaving the studio. I don't remember getting on the bus. When I woke up this morning, I looked at my cell phone and I had an hour and 30 minute call at one o'clock in the morning with my ex-boyfriend, who I haven't talked to in two years. And I don't remember <laughs> any of it. What? Was she in Baltimore? (laughs) (laughs) And ladies and gentlemen, that is the future leadership of our company. I was going to say, that seems like a extremely poor career move when you've been chosen to a, in terms of the size of your company, small group of these, you know, leadership in training. Yeah. That they invest a lot of money. They flew. I mean, I was local, but they flew all these people in from other areas of the company, put them up in a hotel, paid for all their meals, all their activities for three and a half days. And you have one open bar and that's what happens. And it wasn't just her. It was multiple people that were so intoxicated that they were worried about the video leaking out and being career limiting. I feel like, Everyone just needs to learn how to handle the corporate event open bar. Like maybe, maybe you stop at two gin rickies that night. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You can go out with your buddies the next weekend and have as many as you want. You can close down the bar like me and Glenn did. But maybe in the corporate setting, you yeah. just you just tap the brakes. Maybe when there's actually people there that are evaluating your performance, <laughs> you do what I did and you nurse two Michelob Ultras the entire night and go home happy. 
What if you have a softball game later that night? <laughs> What's the best advice there? As long as well, you leave yourself five minutes to get to the field, I think everything's on the table. Okay. Oh, Fair enough. We're getting close to time, but Dave, I understand that you did have an update for us. Oh, I think uh, let's let's package that till next time. Okay. Oh, wow. Well, that must be big. Yeah, this is uh, showing some restraint, but Dave does have an update in next episode uh, for us on Porsche Man. So Porsche Man, things, things are. I'm concerned. Like my level the Ponzi of Ponzi scheme is, has has already started. My concern is Porsche Man number one, Ryan Newman number two. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! All right. Well. um... This weekend, get get your money on the Renegades minus the, minus the points. Yeah, well, to this weekend we are all Renegades. Yeah, Renegades twenty six, Dragons twelve. Go ahead, go ahead and mark it down. This is Stoops is about to coach them up. They've been sloppy the first two weeks. We're about to turn that corner. Clear eyes, full hearts. Bet you never worry.